Hello and welcome to Switzerland Investing. I'm Peter Switzer and today we look at some of the tech stocks that have been sold off recently and we ask, is it buy time for the long-term investor? Now last week I looked at two tech stocks out of favour and another one hurt by the lack of Chinese tourists in a coronavirus world. And I asked, were these AAA stocks uh, due for a comeback? And this chart on the screen right now shows you over the last five days Altium, Appen and A2 Milk are heading in the right direction. Two weeks ago, Adam Dawes of Shoreham Partners and Julia Lee of uh, Berman Invest said they both liked Altium. Julia said she added it to her fund. Appen, on the other hand, was more like a hold, wait and see kind of stock. Now, the interesting point is, all, as I pointed out in those charts, all three are heading in the right direction right now. Uh, we will keep following those stocks to see whether the trend is something that's going to be endured and we start seeing a comeback of those tech stocks. Uh, Paul Rickard will also then look at Licks listed investment companies. He asks the question, are these kinds of investment products on death row? We'll see why he's got this possibly negative view on Licks. So without any further ado, let's cross to Julia Lee of Berman Invest. Welcome, Julia. Great to be here, Pete. All right, Julia, let's uh, talk generally about tech stocks before we look at a couple of individual ones. My feeling is, Julia, if, if you look at the big sell-off in the US and some of the sell-offs here, that eventually there's going to be a bit of a buying opportunity. Eventually, the market will say there's still great companies, they're companies of the future. Is that a, is that a reasonable piece of thinking for the long-term investor? Absolutely. I guess this comes down to the psychology of the market. And the fact is that people in the market overreact both on the upside as well as the downside. And the exciting thing is that that can create opportunities for longer term investors. So we're certainly seeing that in terms of the technology space. And I guess the question that investors are asking themselves is where are they going to see the greatest returns over the next 12 to 18 months? And the answer has been value cyclical stocks. But now they've run quite hard. So looking out the outlook from here, I think it is going to be looking at those individual stocks and that stock picking, which is going mm. to lead to that increase in return. Okay, so let's move into uh, last time we spoke, you said you, you'd added Altium to your fund. Uh, it's done well since then. And in fact, I showed earlier in the, in the program, uh, three stocks that I wrote about Altium, Appen and A2 Milk, they all actually have had a good five days. Uh, of course, I, I never thought A2 would do all that well anyway, because it's got other other problems, I think. But you know, they're, they're all. I'm starting to feel as though people are starting to nibble on the basis that okay, they've got they've got some challenges ahead, but the prices look really really attractive. What's your feeling about? Well, I know you like Altium. What about Appen? Uh, so, Appen, I'm a, a bit, still a bit unsure on um, the announcement that they came out with that they were reconfirming their forecasts was a positive, but they were also laying off a significant part of their workforce, which I thought was quite unusual because Appen has quite a labour intensive business model. So, if they're laying off people, uh, I, I guess there's a question mark on whether they've been able to automate some of that business or whether their clients have been looking at automation of that business. Um, and I suspect that their clients have been doing their own work in terms of AI and maybe that's led to um, the, 
not as great a need for that workforce. So Appen, I'm still unsure on. I, I just want to see a bit more clarity in terms yeah. of their business model yeah. and what's happening in terms of the market. But certainly Altium printed uh, electric circuit boards, I think is a COVID-19 recovery story. Okay, we won't go to A2. I, I think until we get Chinese tourists here, we're not going to see a, a, a big um, um, move on that, on that stock or maybe a, even a takeover. Uh, EML was a company that you know you introduced us to. I've put it in the Zeet stock. It's done fantastically well. This in encountered this problem of the, the central bank of Ireland. Have you done any homework to see how serious this potentially might be or potentially not be? I prefer the, the latter rather than the former. Yeah, I mean, Pete, um, I like EML's business model, and this is an, an unfortunate hiccup that they've had um, some correspondence with the Central Bank of Ireland around their PFS business, which, of course, they just recently bought. So, look, I think um, in terms of the the Central Bank of Ireland um, and the licence that they, they, they get through the Central Bank of Ireland, um, there's about, I think, around about 30% of revenue that goes through that license. I went back and had a look at the number of times there have been, uh, I guess, public uh, statements regarding licenses. Um, and there's been around about 14 over the last few years. All of them, um, well, none of them resulted in any of the licenses being revoked. Uh, there were some fines involved in some cases. Um, so, look, the range of outcomes is quite vast here. Yeah. I guess the worst case scenario is that they would lose their license and that would impact on around about 30% of their revenues. I think that's a highly unlikely scenario, depending on the type of breaches that were made and how many breaches in terms of AML um, and counterterrorism financing. It might involve a fine and probably some higher compliance costs. But of course, there's a range of different outcomes here from the worst case scenario to the best case scenario. Um, so it's very hard to, to value uh, the stock at the moment. Um, but given that the loss of license is unlikely, and that's what the market's really pricing in. As long as you have a high risk tolerance, um, there's probably an opportunity here um, because there is a lot of uncertainty in terms of the stock. So look, I like the business model. Unfortunately, this does dent confidence uh, quite a bit because of course, they've only recently purchased that uh, PFS uh, business, but all up um, in terms of the area that, that they're in, I think it still has some good growth pro prospects, but I think the next 12 months is really going to be about sorting out uh, these issues with the Central Bank of Ireland to make sure that they're comfortable. And EML has come out to say, look, they're willing to work together. Um, and I think that's a step in the right direction. Yeah. So it's a fingers crossed um, uh, opportunity, but uh, you know, the market doesn't know, the market sold off. As you say, it was a, probably a nice bounce back after it dropped on the first day, but we are operating in the dark. Now, Julia, what other stocks have you uh, come to like over the last week or so? Uh, I've been looking at individual stocks and coming through uh, a lot of stocks because we have seen 
a lot of themes, I guess, running hard, like the cyclical, the value themes, the banks have been running hard. So it's coming down to combing through uh, individual companies and where there is value. And um, I guess looking at the outlook as well. And uh, one company that uh, has come up on, um, I guess the interesting list is Grain Corp. Now the share price has fallen from around about $5.60 to $4.80. They came out with some good first half results because we know that the East Coast crop is going to be excellent. Um, but they've also said that the second half is expected to be better than the first half. So you're looking at a company with improving outlook, but the share price has pulled back from about $5.60 to $4.80. So around about these $4.80 levels, um, I'm happy to be accumulating. The other thing that we know is that the logistics business is going absolutely very strong at the moment. Um, whether, whether we look at shipping rates across the globe or things that people are ordering, um, the consumer is very strong, not only here in Australia, but globally. So um, one company that has exposure to that, of course, is Cube Logistics, QUB. Um, so that's one way to play that. And of course, um, there's a possibility of a capital return there as well with the recent sale of its stake in Moorbank. So um, look, that's another one I think, is, which is an interesting angle um, and the share price has pulled back a little bit as well. So look, from here on in, I think it's all about doing the hard yards and looking through individual stocks rather than themes, but also remembering that we are coming to the end of financial year. And that means that there could be some opportunities from tax loss selling. And this is where investors try and uh, book in their losses ahead of the tax year. But sometimes in July, you see some of those stocks that have probably been oversold into the end of tax year, bouncing back relatively strongly. Yeah, so you're saying that stocks that could fall over the last few weeks of June could then be bought back in July. Yeah, so look, if you are interested in A2 milk, I'd probably wait until the first week of July before buying in, or even the last week of June, because it will probably be a stock that will be hit by some tax loss selling. Stocks like A2 milk, Parenti, these are stocks that have seen some pretty sharp losses over the last year. In fact, if we have a look at A2 milk as well as Sinlat, they're both down about 40 to 50% just in 2021 so yeah. far. Yeah, and so there are a lot of people, particularly people who've uh, invested in A2 milk, lost a lot of money, um, they take the loss, they use it on their tax return and they buy it in July. Yeah, so I think I think this is an interesting time of year in terms of, of timing. So if you are looking at some of those value plays, um, I'd probably hold off for a few weeks because you'll probably get a better opportunity. Yeah. It is, it is uh, interesting, um, Julie, because July, despite the fact we've often said silly May and go away, July is actually a good month for stocks in Australia, isn't it? July is a good month for the share market. Look, May is a hard month because three of the big four banks trade ex-dividend as well. So you're, you're sort of uh, coming across that. And of course, June, there's a tax loss selling, but July tends to be a positive month for the Aussie share yeah, market. Must, so, um, must, But at the moment, we're, we're not far from wartime record highs, Pete. That's right. I must, uh, I must uh, compose a song called Can't Wait for July. <laughs> Julia <laughs> Lee, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Pete. This episode was brought to you by WCM Investment Management, a California-based global equities manager with an outstanding long-term track record. This chart shows the significant outperformance of WCM's quality global growth strategy over the past one year, three years, five years, 10 years, and since its inception. Investors can access the strategy via the ASX with their choice of an exchange-traded managed fund 
WCMQ or a listed investment company, WQG. Now joining me now is Adam Dawes from Shaw and Partners. Hi Adam, how are you going? Really well, thanks Peter, yourself? Very good mate. Now look, I, I, I want to get to the stocks you like this week, but I also am interested in what's going on in the tech space because we've seen particularly overseas first, some of those big tech names like Tesla down 35% or whatever, you know, the ARK Innovation ETF, that's, mm -hmm. it's copped as well after doing brilliantly, you know, in the year before. And, uh, mm. and of course, we know that when the tech stocks in America cop it, the tech stocks here cop it as well. And Afterpay has copped it recently. But we're starting to see a little bit of nibbling and a bit coming back. And my question, just generally before we start talking names, do you feel like because of rotation, fund managers, in a sense, have to sell the ones they made plenty of money out of, but one day they'll say, well, the value stocks now look pretty, pretty pricey. These tech stocks look like reasonable value now. Is that likely to happen over time? Well, I think we're somewhat seeing that now. You know, Commonwealth Bank getting up to $100. We're starting to see, uh, you know, some of these value stocks that are potentially looking a little bit better uh, going forward for, for a lot of things. Mm. So, yes, I do feel that. And you look at something like a, an Afterpay or a Zip, these ones are actually sitting on the PEs that they were pre-COVID. Mm. So, you know, yes, they've had their run up. Yes, they've come back. And now it actually looks like it's, it's, it's doing okay. So I do feel that they're, they're, we will see a rotation. I don't think it's going to happen straight away. I think the tech names are still on the nose a little bit. But I'm really, really comfortable with uh, with a lot of the stuff that's happening in the tech space, and you know some of the numbers that these guys are going to be putting out over the next six to twelve months, especially in the buy now pay later sector. I think it's going to catch the market by a little bit of a surprise. Mm. See, some people think the buy now pay later participants, namely after pay and zip, will suffer because you've got PayPal coming to the market, you've got you know Clara and all, Klarna and all those other ones. But there's other people say, and I'd be interested to see what your view is, that uh, the American particular is a long way behind the t in, in terms of the take-up of buy now, pay later. Mm. And so as the biggies mm. get involved, it'll actually get more Americans into it. And so after, after pay and zip might actually have a smaller percentage, but a bigger number of people actually using their stuff. Mm. What do you think? Yeah, well, we know that the US is only at a 10% penetration to the buy now, pay later sector. So there's, there's, and they are the biggest consumers in the world. Mm. So we will see some amazing numbers coming from Zip and Afterpay. Um, after, Zip did actually just do what was called a quad pay day, um, where they basically, like Afterpay does, you know, those special sort of days where they do a lot of shopping. Mm. Um, and they actually came out with some fantastic numbers. You've got to remember the share price has been moving up and down. But these businesses are doing business as usual, signing up merchants, signing up clients and getting revenue in the door. So all of these things put together. Zip also came out today and announced that they're going into Europe by acquiring a couple of businesses. Um, you know, this thing is going to do well. And I think the quarterlies, I think, will catch the market by a little bit of by surprise. Yeah, and, and who could argue that Nick Kyrgios zipping it <laughs> isn't a great idea? He's on the buses. He's on everything, isn't he? I know. Isn't he? I know. But when you ask the question, should I zip it? Everyone says yes, definitely zip yes, it. Yes, yes you can. <laughs> okay, 
Uh, let's dwell into look at a few tech stocks that you do like. And I think last time we talked, you liked Altium. You're still on, on board with Altium? Yeah, definitely. Altium has got that uh, reoccurring revenue. That is what all tech businesses need is that ARR or annual recurring revenue. Uh, Altium definitely. Appen, I still think it's got a lot to work out and we still need to be a little bit cautious about that one. But I've been talking about Appen and, and holding Appen for the next quarterly announcement. Mm. That's when we're going to get a little bit more clearer indication on how this revenue and how those big boys are sort of starting to to chop up their revenue and how they're going to cope with that. So yeah, hold for hold for Appen. Altium is definitely a buy. Okay. Now you've also mentioned here in your notes you sent me Zip is you've already talked about Zip, so you like Zip as well? Yeah, very much so. And I think with Zip with that uh, regulatory issue that potentially we might have from you know, the Commonwealth Bank or, or, or somebody wanting to talk about credit and understanding what's happening, I think Zip will do better in that environment. So that's my number one pick in the buy now, pay later sector. Okay. Now, you've also got a, a liking for Wiser, W-Z-R. For people who don't know what Wiser does, explain to them. Yeah, so this is a little bit of a smaller one. So it's a speculative stock. So just be careful with that. And I think people need to be understanding of what they do. But basically, Wiser is, is is a small neo bank or a bank where they lend money out to uh, you know people um, online. So it's a very very good business. But what's happened over over the last sort of week or so, they've been able to able to squeeze the rate that they're getting those borrowing from the larger banks lower, which means more profit to their bottom line. So I think that's something that you really need to be cautious, uh, not careful of, but uh, to be understanding of it. Wise is a very, very good business. We've got a buy on it here at Shores. Um, it's just been trading in a range, been trading in a range from 18 to 24 cents for the last six months. Now has just broken out of that range, 31 cents. And that's a real positive because this stock has always struggled to get over that 24, 26 level. It is now broken out. Keep an eye on that if it holds that level, this thing should go higher. Okay. So yeah, I like that. I like Wiser. Okay, and in terms of your favourites, you you say you still like CSL. This, this is, this is yes. the safe side of Adam Dawes. You, you go on the high risk side in the tech space, and now you go in the very safe one, CSL. Well, look at it today, up six percent or five percent today, up another five dollars. It definitely looks like it's starting to break up and, and get out of that sort of funk that's been in at sort of 260, mm. 270 level. It's now starting to climb a little bit higher. They did talk about some of their blood collection agencies in the US and how they're going to combat that and get that revenue moving. I think the market's liking that. I think it's a good time to look at CSL again. Okay. And another non-risk type play, Woolworths. Wow. <laughs> Wow, exactly right. There's a couple of reasons why I like that. The demerge of the um, Endeavour Group, that's going to be a fantastic one. You have to be on the share register before the 16th of June. So everybody should write that number down or that, uh, that date down, 16th of June. But basically, they're going to be divesting their business, which is their alcohol, uh, Dan Murphy's, and that business, which is the ALH, which is Australian Leisure and Hospitality Business. That is going to happen. And I really like Woolworths for that longer term play. One, you get an extra stock in your portfolio, but two, there's about $2 billion that'll come back to Woolworths, which means they'll keep the dividend nice and solid and maybe even do a capital return back to shareholders. It's a buy. Okay. And the last one here is NCM. Tell us about NCM. 
saying still staying in the safe space there is Newcrest Mining. Yeah. I think gold is now, if you look at the charts, gold's now starting to tick up a little bit higher with these inflation concerns and all the issues that are happening out in the world. Bitcoin's come off. Potentially now it's time for gold to have a little bit of a, a renaissance, time to shine. Newcrest is the big boy in the room and it's probably the best pick in the sector. Yeah. I've always liked Northern Star and I've never ever got it at the right price. Very impressed with the CEO uh, at Northern Star. Do you, what's your, your rough view on Northern Star? Yeah, Northern Star is probably my second pick in that space and I really do like the merge that they did with Saracen. Mm. I think that you know, makes them potentially the second largest player in that gold space. I think Evolution Mining is getting a little bit left behind. so. That's something to consider. But Northern Star, very, very good business, good management, and they understand their prospects very well. Uh, I own shares in Northern Star. I think it's a great business as well. Adam Dawes from Shore & Partners. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Have a great day. Well, joining me now is Paul Rickard, and Paul's got a view on listed investment companies and um, he's not all that positive on them going forward, but I want to see whether he just is negative about the ones that actually exist in the market right now. Look, I'm not that negative, Peter, but it's about a year to the day since the uh, Treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, announced the, the ban on, uh, on the financial advisors and stockbrokers getting a placement fee. That is when uh, a new company wants to raise money through a listed investment vehicle. They engage a lot of stockbrokers and advisors to help you <laughs> uh, invested it and they get paid a commission between one and one and a half percent well not surprisingly since the ban came in, in effect last like from start of last june there hasn't been a single new listed investment company hmm. the numbers have actually dropped from about 111 to 102 at the end of april so we've seen you know a decline in the number of licks and uh and and no new issue, issuance in the terms of new vehicles uh, being started up what is replacing listed investment companies are the so-called actively traded managed funds. Mm. They're things like we have for Switz, Switz mm. Dividend Growth Fund, or yeah. Magellan has for its uh, uh, Global Equities Fund, and, and a lot of the fund managers now have these uh, quoted, um, effectively, they're like an exchange-traded fund, but they're yeah. listed on the ASX, and but they're, they're actively managed. Actively yeah. means that people can pick the stocks rather than just following the index. But Paul, Licks have had a long tradition, and really good ones, can, can make money. Like, for example, we know WQG was yep. one that we've been linked to. Uh, it was trading at a discount for some time, but eventually it's gone into uh, premium. Yeah, there are a lot of really good licks out there. I mean, and the great thing about licks is they are companies, mm -hmm. and um, the, the people who manage the money argue that's got a couple of big advantages. One is that because it's a fixed size and all the shares get issued, the manager doesn't have to worry about inflows and outflows, right? right. The capital's there for good. They don't have to worry about whether they're having a bad month and there's a few nervous investors out there mm. or so forth. So the fund manager can get on with the job that he or she has to do. And the other advantage is that they've got a little more discretion around the payment of income. And so the companies can, you know, stabilise and level out their dividends. They tend to pay higher dividends. Mm. Um, and they well, use franking credits. And they use franking credits. So and a lot of them are pretty low, co low cost. So the, the, the big ones are things like um, uh, Australian Foundation, AFIC, and Argo. They're all very, very low cost. Mm. Um, and, but in, the, in those listed investment companies, I mentioned there's 100, 102 now. About 80 of the 102 are trading at a discount, and only 20 are trading at a premium. Now, what that means is that they, they are, where they trade on the ASX, is below the actual net worth of the company. 
And yeah, a lot of people don't get that. How, how does that happen? Well, that's because, uh, you know, because all the licks, they're called listed investment vehicles because they're actually, they're just buying shares in other companies, yeah. right? And all the assets they have are incredibly marketable. So, yeah. And they can be valued every day because if... The uh, share prices are there. The share price of the underlying components go up in a day, then so does the value of the lick. So you can work out what's called the, the net tangible asset value, and that can potentially be calculated not only during the day, but also effectively in real time. Mm. Now, where they trade on the ASX, it's just where two, uh, someone wants to buy and someone wants to sell. So you, you, mean, <laughs> right? you mean to say like, this could be a really good lick with a really good fund manager who's doing really well, but the idiots who buy and sell yeah. don't, don't recognise it and don't pay for it. Now, from your and, point and, of view... And conversely, sometimes the idiots who buy and sell it are paying way more than it's worth, <laughs> right? So, so some, uh, some licks are overvalued for no good reason. Yeah. Uh, I mean, typically what, what, it, what it tends to happen is that the, the poorer performing licks, yeah. uh, who are, which aren't as well marketed, they're often smaller, they tend to trade at a discount. Uh, and the better performing licks, people like, you know, mentioned, you mentioned WQG, where mm. the manager's doing a really good job, that discount goes and they start to move towards a premium. Mm. Now, that's not always the case, but there are some licks that, you know, go between premium and discount. And things mm. like Australian Foundation or Argo or Milton Corporation, yeah, they're examples of some, sometimes a premium, sometimes a discount. I argue that whenever something is at a, you know, I'm sort of from the school that if you can buy something worth a dollar for 80 cents, yeah. why wouldn't you? Yeah. But conversely, I don't like paying a dollar 20 for something that's only worth a dollar. That's right. right? And, and but and also, you, what, what the, the critical thing is, if you're going to pay 80 cents for a dollar, a, a lick that's currently on the market for 80 cents, but really is worth a dollar, you want to make sure it eventually closes, because yeah. then you get... The annual return, the income they might pay you, plus that capital gain. Yeah, and that's a really good point, Peter. Just because something is cheap doesn't mean it's going to get expensive. It could stay cheap for a long, long, long time, time, right? Yeah. And sometimes those discounts can last for, for years and years. Now, eventually, if they get that big, you know, someone comes around and says, there's an arbitrage here, or I can actually get in, I'll change the manager, and etc etc and the market mm. is rational but it can be irrational if you if that's the right word to use for a long period of time so you need something that's going to close it typically what will close it is good strong investment performance mm. so if you've got something you know where the manager has a history of making good investment performance eventually the market will say it's worth more mm. and that will tend to close it so i've identified some uh, some licks to to buy mm. uh, and some others to sell mm. uh, four to buy two to sell they're all sort of big names right. um, and, and uh, three or four of the ones are really I think of a really good value in terms of the manager and the investment performance and a couple of the big ones that are trading at a big premium I wouldn't touch not because they're not well managed but just because I can't work out why you'd pay a yeah. lot more than them I guess than sometimes people worth. buy them purely for the income but it, it means that they really are avoiding being in much better assets that could give you capital gain and income and you have to be a bit careful of just buying just for income Peter because sometimes I won't say it's manufactured but sometimes it can be uh, there are some accounting tricks, effectively, mm. and uh, you can see a, a lick that's paying a really good income. And arguably, you might say some of that, what's coming back to you is actually your capital, right? Mm. So uh, you've got to be a little bit careful, but uh, I think they're an interesting um, asset class. But if you're a holder of one of the big licks, it's really worth monitoring the, uh, the so-called NTA, the discount to NTA or the premium, understanding what the market thinks it's worth compared to what the assets are really worth and, and that can govern a little bit as to whether you hold it or you get out or you buy more. Yeah. So if you want to read about that, you want to understand Lex, 
go to the Switzer Report. If you're not a subscriber, make sure you become a subscriber. That's Paul Rickard from the Switzer Report. Well, that's the show for this week. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget, we'd love you to become a subscriber uh, to this to our TV show, uh, but also to be a subscriber to the Switzer Report. We're all here to make you money, but occasionally we just have to make a little bit of money ourselves. Thanks for joining us. See you next week.